All righty, good morning. It is such a joy to be able to open up God's Word with you this morning. But before we get there, uh, if you notice, throughout the month of November and December, we've been highlighting different areas in the way that God has been working here at Sunbury City Church. So I just want to highlight one. Uh, So about maybe a little over a month ago, uh, a couple here in our church got connected with someone that lived here in Sunbury. And this person was going through just a a really difficult season, Uh, just just, uh, maybe at the wit's end. Got connected here at Sunbury City Church, got connected with this couple. And as, as they begin to love to this person that they've never met, they begin to take her to the grocery store, help her run the errands throughout the community, and invite them to missional community. Just really got to love on this person. And even though as COVID tensions have been rising, maybe the fear of COVID is changing a little bit, still finding ways and still trying to figure out how can we still love and care for this person in this difficult season. And I just want to praise the Lord that, that there's a couple here in our church that that's stepping out, loving someone, taking them in as family, and finding ways to care for them. Uh, praise the Lord for that. That is just awesome. Uh, so let me just say a, a quick prayer. One, thanking the Lord for this God story, but also to continue us as we think about taking these faith steps uh, in the weeks to come. So let, let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us, therefore we should love others and s- should serve others. We thank you for this couple in the church that, that is serving and loving and caring for this person as they uh, are trying to help them grow closer to you uh, in this season that they're in. Uh, Father, I pray that that will uh, ignite a fire in our own selves as we think about how can we serve others. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, but Father, show us who we can be light to this week. God, we love you. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is in the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to Romans 15 with me. Romans 15. It's about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. Uh, It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. There you are. And we're looking for the big, bold 15, and we'll be starting in verse 22. Starting in verse 22. As you're flipping there, uh, so growing up for me, I really had no fears, really. Uh, I was a, a, an adrenaline junkie. As a kid, like anything that looked like that it could hurt me, I wanted to do it, right? I, I climbed the trees to the highest point and tried to jump off without hurting my ankles. I would build homemade ramps for my bikes and see how much air I could get on my bikes. I, like, if, if there's a swimming pool, you bet. Like, I want to do the gainers and the backflips and, like, everything. Like, I wanted to do that. Uh, even, like, I was that kid that, you know that game lawn darts? It's pretty much just a giant metal stake that you throw across the yard into a circle. I was that kid, instead of playing the game how you're supposed to play, like, I wanted to throw it straight up in the air and see how close I can get to land to my feet without moving. Like, I'm the reason why, like, lawn darts are probably banned. Like, I, like, people got really hurt doing that, but I loved it. I, I did. And, and even, like, the scar, the, the major scar I have on my body, you, you may have wondered, like, right, what's happened to Chapin right here? Like, why is there a scar above his eyebrow? 
that was me being dumb and stupid on a four-wheeler. Like I was just trying to just show off and be cool on a four-wheeler and I was in this big massive field with one pole and I managed to hit the one pole in the massive field. Like anything that made adrenaline go through my body. I mean, I was, I was the kid for the job. I, I, I just loved it. But although despite how tough I may have looked, despite how many times I may have brushed death as a kid, I did have a fear. I did. This fear, it, it crippled me, actually. On the outside, I looked like a tough kid, but I wasn't. I was genuinely f- afraid of the dark. I had a paralyzing fear of the dark. I, I did. Uh, when, I w- when it's time for bedtime, I hated it. Not because I didn't want to sleep, but because it was dark. I, like, if the wind howled just right, that, that freaked me out. There was one time I remember this, the moonlight came through the window in such a way where I had like this massive pile of dirty clothes on the floor where it just cast a shadow on the wall. And I'm like, nope, not having that. Got out of bed, kicked the shadow or kicked the laundry pile down so that shadow would disappear. Like, I, I was really afraid of the dark. And I, I remember many nights contemplating, like, is it worth it going to the restroom? Right? Like, is it worth it because there might be a monster that will snatch me up? By the time I get back into bed, like I I did, I had a fear of the dark, plain and simple. But now that I've gotten older, obviously the darkness has has changed for me. The idea of dark has changed. Like when I was a kid, the idea of dark was a point of time, right? Like 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m. When it got dark outside, that's when I got afraid. Uh, For me now, as an adult, like I, I will walk Gus out at night. I'll get up in the middle of the night, no problem. I'm not checking under my bed or in the closet for the boogeyman. So darkness has changed for me. The idea of darkness has changed. And what I mean by that, it's not about a point of time, but I look at darkness now as a place. Darkness for me now is a place where it seems as if life is meaningless. It seems like joy is snuffed out. That, that there's no reason to get out of bed that, that darkness is, is what keeps us just wanting to lock ourselves in our room, not live life, not enjoy life. And all around the world, people will wake up in, around the world, in our country, in Sunbury, in the communities around us, experiencing that kind of darkness that I was just describing. And what that darkness is, is sin. Where Satan has convinced so many people that his ways are better than God's ways. Where Satan has bound and shackled people down to think that his ways are better than God's. So many people will wake up today, wake up tomorrow, realizing it or not, they will try to fight this darkness. They'll try to fight this sin in their life. They'll, they'll, they'll go and try to make as much money in one single day. They'll, they'll go and give in to lust. They will try to escape reality through technology. Many things will happen of trying to like, what about this, this darkness, the, this lack of joy? My life is meaningless. How can I fight it? And they will go out and do so in many different ways. So this morning, we're going to talk about God's way of fighting back this darkness. We're going to talk about church planning. How, how God is using His Son, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, to push back the darkness of Satan. Satan. 
God has made a way for these people, for the people around us to have hope. God has made a way for people to experience the full joy of life all through his son and the way that we push back darkness in all the nooks and crannies of the world is putting churches, Christ proclaiming gospel preaching churches so that they may see the hope and light of Jesus Christ. So the question I have for us this morning as we wrestle with this idea of church planning is this. Do we love people? Do you and do I? Do we love people enough to let them know that there is a God out there? That there is a God out there who will rescue them in their darkness. Do we love people enough to do that? So as we talk about this idea of church plan, as we talk about pushing into communities who are in this darkness, who are covered in sin, This will be the main point that we will look at this morning. Where there is darkness, Christ must be proclaimed. Where there is darkness, Christ must be proclaimed. To see any movement, to see any movement of of darkness being uh, destroyed, Christ, the light of this world, must be proclaimed. So, with that being said, If you have found your place in Romans 15, starting in verse 22, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read and honor God's word. And we are standing this morning, church, out of the reverence and the authority that this is God's word and we will give the honor that it deserves. So, church, will you stand with me as we read Romans 15, starting verse 22. Verse 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints for Macedonia and Achaia, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought to also be a service to them in material blessing. When therefore I have completed this, and we have delivered delivered what has been collected to them, I will leave for Spain by the way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Church, this is the word of the Lord, and all of God's people say, praise be to God. You may be seated. So when we think about our sermon series, How to Be Whole When You Feel Shattered, we're we're really winding down. We have one more sermon after this one in our series. And when we begin to think of the idea of seeing darkness push back, 
What is a better way of thinking that than through church planning? So what we're thinking, if we think about our entire sermon series, we've talked about how to pray, the importance of giving. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about confessing sins, sharing the gospel. We've, we've talked about a mountain of things. And we're seeing now how we bring all of these pieces together and go and plant new movements, plant gospel movements so that others too may know the same hope that we have been talking about all these months. The same hope of us being restored. So, uh, when we think about church planning, uh, let's first ask the question, what is church planning? Before we get really ahead of ourselves, uh, if you just go back a couple verses in verse 20 in chapter 15, Paul gives us a good idea of what church planning is. So, so look at verse 20 with me. Paul says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. All right, so Paul's saying, All right, I, I preach the gospel. That's the heartbeat of my ministry. This is what I'm doing. But where? Not where Christ has already been named. So church planning is essentially what Paul just said. Going to places where Christ has yet to be named. Where Christ has yet to be proclaimed. And when we look throughout Paul's ministry, that's what he does. He'll, he'll go to one city, plant a church, raise up leaders, go to the next city, plant a church, raise up leaders, and so on and so on. Paul saw the importance of preaching Christ where he has yet to be named. So, so is church planning important for Sunbury City Church? You bet. Of course it is. That's why here at Sunbury City Church, we partnered with the Pillar Network. Over here on this black box, you can get a brochure about the Pillar Network, where they have the desire to equip and encourage churches to go and, and connect with each other, to plant churches in their communities, in their country, and around the world. We're partnering with the Pillar Network to see churches planted. That's why we have partnered with four North Carolina mission teams. Four churches from North Carolina. They, they have came up, they've, they've done a soccer camp, they've cleaned the community, they've done things in the school, they did back-to-school parties. They've done so many things to help toil and work the ground of ministry with the hope that others may know Christ. And Lord willing, out of some of these churches in North Carolina, there may be people who feel called to come up in our valley to plant churches and see God move throughout the central rural region of Pennsylvania. Uh, that's why Pastor Derek started fourth level. Pastor Derek started fourth level with the sole attention of encouraging churches, equipping pastors, equipping people with the hope of seeing the gospel be made known throughout their communities and in their churches. So church planning, we are, like here at Summary City Church, we, we desire that. So this morning, what we're going to look at is how you and I can be a part of that. And Paul's going to show us how to do that. But before we get really into it, we need to understand a little bit of context of what Paul's talking about. See, in the book of Romans, this is a, a massive letter, 16 chapters. And what Paul is doing is beautifully explaining Christ beautifully explaining the gospel uh, some of my favorite verses are in romans like like romans 5 6 for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly romans 8 1 therefore there is now no condemnation in those who are in christ jesus like those verses are all scattered throughout romans why well what paul is doing he's telling the roman church he's telling the church Hey, this is what I believe of Christ. This is the gospel. So what Paul is hoping to do throughout the whole book of Romans is one, 
glorify Christ in his writing, but two, to also invite the Roman church in this mission of Paul planting churches in Spain as he is going out to different parts of the world. So that's what Paul's trying to do through this letter is saying, hey, church, when, when I come see you, be ready. I hope you will be ready to be partners in ministry together. Paul wants the Roman church to be a channel for church plants in Rome. So just as Paul desires that for Rome, here at Sunbury Sea Church, we desire that we will be a church, that we will be a channel, a channel for church planters to come into and go out throughout our valley, throughout the state of Pennsylvania, throughout the world, that others may know the hope of Christ by church planting, that we'll be this channel to move along. So, so what are the ways that we as a church and as individuals in this body can partner in church plant ministry and see the the Lord just push back darkness all around the world. We're going to look at three things, and the first is this. Pray for gospel movements. Pray for new gospel movements. Uh, in, in 1979, in Iran, uh, an Islamic regime just established. And over that next 20 years, this regime will bring heavy persecution to the Iranians, specifically to the Christians. And what's happened during that heavy persecution, the Christians in Iran banded together and began to pray. Despite the level of hostility, they decided to push in and still go and be missionaries in their country. Well, through this prayer and and through just knowing that this is what God wanted them to do, a man named Qumran came to the picture. This guy, he was really a violent man. Qumran, he, he sold drugs, he, he sold guns. But through the prayers of one friend, he gave him a New Testament. And Qumran, just not really caring, decided to go home and actually read it. He read this New Testament for five days straight, reading the gospel of Jesus Christ, reading the letter as, as Paul wrote here and others And through reading this New Testament, we see Qumran became a follower of Jesus. His life was completely transformed to the point where his family was so in shock that they wanted to know who this Jesus was, where many of them were then saved. Where now, Qumran has a church meeting in his house. The Christians in Iran, they believed in the power of prayer. They believed that prayer was the heartbeat of seeing gospel being moved throughout their country. But despite that hostility towards the gospel, they pushed in. They, they decided to keep praying and still going. So Paul, he's going to show us how we can pray for people like Qumran. People are violent and opposed to the gospel and how we can pray for that friend who gave him a New Testament. So, but first, let's get a little bit more context. If you look at verse 25, Paul says this, At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. All right, so before we get deeper into this idea of prayer, Paul is going to tell the Roman church that, hey, I'm, I'm ready to come to you. I'm ready to visit you. But before I do so, I need to make a detour. I need to go to Jerusalem. And church, this detour was over a thousand miles. This wasn't some little detour. This is a, a big detour. All right, so Paul is making this detour to go to Jerusalem. And what, the reason why is that there's a, fi- a famine that struck. 
There's a famine. The, the poor, the needy, they, they didn't have food. The church was struggling. There was no money. So Paul is now bringing aid to Jerusalem for the people there. But there's a problem. Jerusalem is not a fun place for Paul. See, Paul used to be a Pharisee. And there in the heart of Jerusalem is where Pharisees ruled and reigned, where Judaism was proclaimed. So Paul used to be in a Pharisee. He was someone that said, Christ is not real. Like Christ is not the son of God. We shouldn't follow Christ. So Paul used to actually persecute Christians and kill Christians. Well now, because of Christ, he's been changed. So he's going back into Jerusalem where he is now proclaiming Christ that Christ is the Son of God. So you can kind of see the tension here. Like, like all the people in, uh, in uh, Jerusalem are going to look at Paul, specifically the Pharisees, they're going to like, you're a traitor. We don't like you. So Paul, there's this level of hostility there in Jerusalem. Now, but now let's dive into prayer. Like how now we can partner in prayer as we think of people going and doing ministry. Look at verse 30. So Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Paul knew that the lifeline for ministry is prayer. If we want to see gospel reached out into all places, it is in prayer. So Paul has invited the Roman church and is pleading with the Roman church, hey, will you please pray for me? So Paul's going to show us two ways of how he's requested prayer and how we can then pray for these ministries as we are talking about this morning. The first is this. Paul's asking for prayer for safety. So we're praying for safety. Look at verse 31. That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. All right, so again, this, this hostility, this tension that Paul's having as he is in Jerusalem. And, and we know that this was a legitimate request because when we go to Acts 21, Acts 21, just a book before Romans, we see that Paul, there's a plot to kill him. He was thrown in jail. He was persecuted. He was beaten. When he arrived in Jerusalem, people wanted Paul dead. And Paul is telling the Romans, pray for me. Pray that I may be delivered from these people. That the hostility praying for them. So as, as we think about church plant ministry, people all around the world, as we think about pushing back darkness, we must be prayer, prayer people, prayer warriors, people who's willing to pray for, for the people who are uh, just against the gospel, praying for the ministers and the pastors of these communities that they will be safe, praying for their wife, praying for their kids, praying that they will uh, stay protected. But ultimately we pray that as hostility rises and as tension rises that they can still find their boldness in Christ. That they won't back down but yet through the grace of God that they're able to endure and move forward wherever they may be. Because it's a hard thing to reveal sin. People don't like sin being revealed and they're going to buck up. So we must pray for these people, pray for those who are church planning and are going out into these communities. So we pray for safety. And the second way that Paul's asking for prayers is this. Paul's asking for prayer for just open hearts. Look at verse 31. He says, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. 
So here, Paul, the same reason about his reputation. Even the believers in Jerusalem were hesitant of Paul. He was like, you used to be a persecutor. And you want me to accept this gift? So Paul's just praying, hey, pray that the hearts of the people in Jerusalem, that their hearts will be opened. That they will be open to receiving the gifts and the blessings of Christ. So just as Paul is asking for, for these people to accept the gifts, we, we pray that as people are out in the communities, as we're engaging others, that hearts will be open to hearing the gifts of Christ. That hearts will be open to taking cookies. That they'll be open to uh, taking a gift card or a letter. Or that their hearts will be open to being invited over for dinner. That their hearts will be open to the gifts of what Christ is trying to bless them with. But ultimately that their hearts will be open to the gospel of Christ. Right, so, so Paul is saying, all right, the Roman church, can you please pray, one, as I am ministering here in this area, as I'm going to bring aid, one, pray that I am safe, that I will be delivered from these people, but two, that the people in these communities, that their hearts will be open to what I have to give them, that what Christ has to give them. So Paul tells us kind of what we're praying for, but, but more specifically, I love what Paul does here. He, he's going to tell us how to pray, how to pray for them. Look at verse 30. Again, Paul says, By the love of the Spirit and to strive together. That means, through, he's telling the Roman church, like, through your love of Christ, through your love of the Spirit, allow that Spirit to unify you, to bring you together, and then you as a church pray for me. So, by all means, should we pray for people personally? in our own personal prayer time. But Paul's talking to a church. His desire is for the whole church to come to him and partner him, partner with him in prayer. Partner praying for his safety, praying for open hearts. And then notice, he says, by striving together. That means we as a church, we come together striving. We are being disciplined together. That means on Sunday mornings, we are praying for ministries. We're praying for church planners. In our missional communities, we're praying for church planners. We're praying for other ministries. We're, we're being disciplined. We're, we're, unifying, we're unifying each other to pray. So, so will you be willing to pray for these gospel ministries? Will you be willing to partner in prayer? Like we have a few ministries here on our, our black box over here. Will you be willing to partner and just pray for these ministries? Pray with them in a group, in missional community, here at church on Sunday mornings. Because Paul knew that he needed it. And if Paul needed it, we need it. If Jesus prayed, we know that we need to pray. So we partner in prayer. The second way that Paul is going to show us how we can push in and partner into church plant ministry and and to see things move forward is this point two we can give to new gospel movements we can give to new gospel movements paul knew that part of the ministry that part of ministry is sacrifice and part of that sacrifice is giving to see new churches there's this level of of just knowing that you have to give Paul had that, that mentality. He, he understood that since Christ, who was king, who was rich, became poor so that we can become rich in him. Paul knew that. 
And Paul knew that in order for others to become rich in Christ, others must have to give to the mission of Christ. So through this month of December, we're, we're doing a Lottie Moon offering. So if you don't know about Lottie Moon, just really briefly, Lottie Moon, uh, when she was 32, she turned down a marriage proposal, she quit her job, hopped in a boat, and went to China. Where for 39 years, Lottie Moon will minister to the people in China. And what she did while she was in China, she would write letters. She would write letters back to the American church and ask, will you give to this mission? Will you give to what the Lord is doing here in China? Listen to what she says in one letter back to the American church. She said, why should we not give? Do something that will prove that we are really in earnest in claiming to the followers of him. Though he was rich for our sake, became poor. She was saying, what's a better way to show others, to show the world that you're serious and that you desire God to be made known by actually giving up what you have for others? That you love people in such a way that you're willing to give up so that the people that you may never meet on the other side of the world may know this Christ. So the part of Paul writing this and, and, and sharing what, about giving is so that the Roman church will then also give to him. He understood that to plant churches in Spain that there's a level of resources that, that will be needed to go and plant these churches. So, look at verse 24 with me, church. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. So, right here, Paul is saying, like, all right, I'm ready to see you. I'm ready to come visit, but I'm not staying long. It will be just a passing as I go to Spain. And look, and to be helped on my journey there by you. I just love how Paul is, is just inviting the Roman church into this work of what the Lord will be doing in Spain. Right? So in this idea of giving, Paul tells us, how do we give then? What, what, what does it mean to give? And he tells us in verse 26 and 27. So look at verse 26 with me. He said, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it. In these two communities, in these two churches... There was this deep-seated joy of Paul planting or uh, of giving to Paul so that the people in Jerusalem may be relieved, so that there may be aid in Jerusalem. There was a joy there. Paul knew that if we want to genuinely give with joy, that there's this certain heart mentality. So, so what is that? Uh, so there, there's two ways that we can look at our stuff. The first way that we look at our stuff is this, that, that you earn it. And the second way we can look at our stuff is that God gives it. And if we have the mentality that, that we earn our stuff, it makes it extremely difficult to joyfully give as what we just saw in our passage, where it would be pleasing to give. Right? Because it's like, I earned this. I worked for this. I paid for this. And with that mentality that we, we earn our stuff, it will be extremely difficult to give to ministries. It will be extremely difficult to give joyfully to Lottie Moon. But with the, mentality of that, with the mentality that God gives it, 
with the mentality of, and a heart recognizing that God gives what we have to the breath in our lungs, to the food on our table, to the clothes on our back. doesn't matter what's in your bank account. doesn't matter where you work. All that matters is that God is the one who provides it. And when we have that mentality, we realize since God has given us much, we want to give back to others. God has given us much, church. And out of that abundance and out of those blessings, he is calling us to be faithful and then give it back to other movements, to other missions, other ministries, so that they too may know of this God of blessing. So we can pray. We can pray for the people in the field, pray for their safety. We, we can pray for the hearts of people in all around us, around our communities, that their hearts will be open to hearing and accepting the gifts of Christ. Uh, so then the second one, we can give. We can partner by just financially giving. And then lastly, and you might can see the, the level of progression here, is that we can go. We can go to new gospel movements. So this third way that we can partner in church plant ministries and see churches go, and Paul knew... And Paul knew that if we wanted to see churches preach where Christ is not being proclaimed, that people has to go. There is a level of going. And we hear about all these different areas of, of, of brokenness and darkness. And as Derek was sharing, there's 20 million people in one area that may not have one person that knows Christ. Somebody's going to have to go. Somebody's going to have to go in our valley, in the dark corners in our valley, to let them know about Christ. But for us as a church, it, it's so easy for us. Like, we, we really buy in. Like, all right, I'll pray. I'll give. But go? Going just seems so radical. Like, why do I, sh- why do I go? <laughs> I, I don't know exactly when, but there, there's been this shift in the American church. Where there, so many years ago... If you talk to someone about your church, when you talk to somebody about Jesus, it was just natural. It's like, oh, you go to that church? Oh, you do those things there? Oh, you're a believer in Jesus? Cool. Where now, if you go out and tell people that you go to church or that you're a follower of Jesus, it's more cringy. Right? Like People are like, oh, you're one of those kind of people. You're one of those faith nuts or whatnot. So what, what has happened? Why, why has this idea of going and telling others about our faith here in America specifically just become more cringy than ever? And really it boils down like what we have been doing has been, we've been hiding Jesus in plain sight. We've been hiding Jesus in plain sight. And what I mean by that is that we have made Christ so vague in our lives. We've made Christ so vague. Uh, so, so think of it this way. Say someone asks you, what's your favorite food? And your response was yellow. And the person who asked you, what's your favorite food? They were like, what? Is, this, is that a banana? Is that squash? Your favorite food is yellow. Like you answer so vaguely, you have no idea what your favorite food is. And that's what we've done with our faith. We've made our faith so vague that it's lacking the gospel, it's lacking the cross, and ultimately it's lacking Jesus. So that's why it's so cringy to tell people about the gospel because it's lacking. People don't see the amount of good of the gospel anymore. 
Jesus, honestly, he boils it down in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says this, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So as we think about and wrestling about this idea of going, we need to ask the question, church, who has your love? Who has your heart? Who has your soul? Who has your mind? And whichever thing is ruling those areas of your life is what you will live by. It must be God who is ruling these areas. Church, there are new souls every day who are dying and going to hell. People that you know will die and go to hell. People that we don't know but our our neighbors will die and go to hell. But they need to know. They need to know that there's a Savior that is pushing back their darkness, who is breaking the shackles of sin, that there is a Savior named Jesus. And the only way is if people go into the other moats of the world and let them know. And Paul knows that. Paul devoted his ministry to that. So Paul is hoping as he's writing this letter, as he's inviting the Roman church to partner to go to Spain, that there just may be a few who would go. A few who will go and partner with him in ministry. So there's two levels of going I want to talk about, and I just touched on one. And the most obvious one is that we can go by packing. We can pack up our bags and go. And that, that, that's the one. That's the one that people really, really want to wrestle with. But the reality is, is that right now, through Sunbury City Church... Lord willing, there's a movement happening in Milton. Lord willing, there's one happening in Seals Grove. And, and hopefully in the years to come, there'll be many more throughout our valley. And the only way that, that Seals Grove can be reached with the gospel, the only way that Milton and other parts of our valley can be reached with the gospel, if people will go. Faithful men and women has to pack up their homes, pack up their bags and be willing to go. Age doesn't matter. Wealth doesn't matter. Your status doesn't matter. All that matters is your love for people to know Christ. So there is that level of going. And not all of us will be called to go. But there's this another level of going that I want us to talk about. And it's a little bit different. Look at verse 32. Paul says, So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So, so what is this other level of going? Well, church, we can go by encouraging. We can go by encouraging. Here's the reality, church. Church plant ministry is hard. It's taxing. It makes you become vulnerable. You're inviting people into your life constantly. You're constantly in the weeds of darkness. And they need encouragement. They need to know. I mean, it's just so easy to be knocked down in this ministry. And a lot harder to get up. So they're going to need people who will be willing to go by encouraging them. And Paul knew that this Roman church is a pit stop for him. A pit stop to be refreshed and recouraged in his own walk in the Lord. So how do we do this? 
How can we go by encouraging? Well, let's get names of people who are planting in Milton. Let's get the names of people who want to partner in Sealands Grove and to other valleys and other ministries around the world. Let's get their names and specifically and daily pray for them. We reach out to them and let them know that we're praying for them and that we're thinking of them. And if they live close by, invite them over to dinner and say, I want you to be refreshed in the Lord. Let me cook a meal for you and your family. Send them a gift card. Send them a card in the mail saying, I love you. I'm encouraging you. I am behind the mission that you are doing in Milton. I am behind the mission that you will be doing in Lewisburg. There has to be encouragement. Church, how awesome. How awesome will it be if we as Sunbury City Church can be a place where church planners can come into and be encouraged. That we can be a place where we can refresh people in their walk in the Lord. Because we are intentionally reaching out to them. Where we are intentionally loving their wives and their kids. How awesome will that be? If there's a missionary overseas, if they come to little Sunbury, Pennsylvania, that they can say when they leave, I am refreshed to go back. How awesome will that be? Do you want that for our church? To be a place of encouragement. So yes, church, hear me out. Some of you may be called to go. Some of you may be. But there's a level that our church is also called to be a place where we can go and encourage. Encourage other brothers and sisters around the world. So will you encourage a ministry? Will your missional community find a ministry to encourage and partner with Invite over to dinner, encourage and build them up when they are knocked down. And I say all this and I think about all this and I go, so what? So what? Why pray? Why do we even worry about giving? Why, why even church plant? What's, so what? Well, about seven, eight years ago, Winfield Baptist planted Sunbury City Church. It was through the faithful men and women who prayed for Sunbury, who gave to the mission of Sunbury, and even some till this day are here who went to Sunbury, who gone, who's going. And because of the faithfulness of Winfield, and because of their vision of seeing darkness push back, some of you who are sitting here in this room right now knows the riches of Christ, knows the glories of Christ, knows the saving work of Christ because of that. We're a church plant. There are many people all around us who do not know what you have experienced here because of the faithful men and women planting Winfield all around us. So church, that's why. That's why church planning is important, so that others may know the glory of Christ. So at the end of the day, what's going to determine if we partner or not? If we're going to partner in prayer, if we're going to partner in giving, if we're going to partner by going either packing up our bags or or by encouragement, it boils down, it goes down to where is our worship? 
Just quickly, Psalm 96.3, Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works for all people. Isaiah 12.4, Make known His deeds among the people. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Why did Jesus come here on earth? Romans 15.9, In order that the Gentiles might glorify the mercies of God. We church plant because people must be told about Jesus. The cross must be preached. The resurrection must be proclaimed. And Jesus must be exalted. For there is no other name than the name of Jesus that salvation can be made known. When there is no salvation, where there is no Jesus, there is no gospel. So where are those places, church? Because we must go. We must find a way to let them know of the living hope of the glory of God. So will us at Sunbury City Church, will we be praying? Will we take a few of these brochures after church and genuinely and striving together in unity, pray for these ministries, pray for these people groups? Will we give to this month of December of Lottie Moon Missions? Or will we go? And if you feel called to go, there's training, there's resources to feel equipped to go. Or if you feel called to go just by encouraging Praise the Lord for that. Because at the end of the day, church, where there is darkness, Christ must be proclaimed. Let us pray. Father, we uh, thank you. Father, you didn't have to have a plan of redemption. But you did. Your plan of redemption is through your Son. And for people to, ex- to escape their bondage of sin, the shackles of death, they must know who Christ is. And so, Father, I pray. I pray that we will be a church, a church who will be committed to strive together in love and spirit in prayer. Where we pray for ministries where we pray for new church plants, where we pray for those who will go in these places. Father, I pray that we will be a church that will be pleased to give, where there will be such a deep-seated joy to give because we understand that you have given us much. Therefore, that others must know that you are God. And Father, I pray, I pray that we'll be a church who will be committed to going, that we will take faith steps and go. If that means that we will pack up our bags and go into a new community in our valley to a new part around the world, or if we go where we will be a hub of of encouragement for ministers all around our world. Father, open up our hearts. Convict us where we are failing. Use us as Sunbury City Church to glorify your amazing name so that the places of darkness around us Christ must be proclaimed. In your son's name I pray. Amen.